This is Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast with me, Henry Nichols, and we'll be coming to you every week throughout the season. And every week I'm going to be joined by a different special guest to kick around the main Superliga talking points. And this week, I thought where better to start than with a couple of people who know Danish football better than most. So in part one, I'm going to be joined by fellow Englishman Liam Barker of TV3 Sport in Denmark. And in part two, I've got V-Borg captain Jeppe Groning sitting down for an exclusive interview the day after V-Borg's big Yulen derby with FC Midtjylland. It's a bumper first episode, so let's get into it. With me to talk all things Superliga today is none other than Liam Barker. Liam has been a sports journalist at TV3 Sport for almost 10 years, and he's been working with and analysing the Danish Superliga, as well as working with the Premier League and Champions League. He also hosts his own TV show and is a qualified football coach. Liam, welcome to the show, mate. And thank you for making my footballing qualifications, which amounts a little more than watching it pale into comparison. <laughs> no problem, mate. Good to be the first guest. Yeah, exactly. I can't it's believe a... it. I thought all them years ago, I thought there was only me and Colin Todd that were daft enough to be involved in this Superliga <laughs> as Englishmen. And here we are. This is hipster. It very much is. Um, <laughs> and before we get into talking about the weekend's hipster action, I'd love to know a bit more about your time in Denmark to date. Firstly, how does a guy from England find themselves in Denmark covering both the Superliga and the Premier League? Well, if I had a Danish kroner for every time someone asked me that, I'd be a rich man, let me tell you. What the hell are you doing in Sunnyusker on a Friday? <laughs> I get that thrown at me a few times. Well, 2009, I'd finished sports journalism in Preston, lit loggerheads with my life, going to Stoke City on the weekends, and basically waiting for the weekend, you know, English style, and that dog-eat-dog journalism world. And then I was on this random website, and they were looking for people to go to random Danish football games and record the statistics for a betting company. And I thought, okay, and then, you know, all those days of playing Sabutio on my own, very niche. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find East German football clubs as Sabutio teams, whereas most other people want, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham, England. So it's always been this niche. I just love it. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to get on a flight and go. And then I got a job working also in an English newspaper, doing some sports stories. We started going to the football games, obviously, and just became... Well, obsessed, if you like. Weirdly obsessed going to watch FC Copenhagen reserves on a Monday. My first game, Thursday, April the 2nd, 2009. AB beat Skiwa 3-2, coming from 2-0 down at half time. <laughs> like, and I was like, wow, this is cool. Just love it. You know, it's just niche. And it just becomes, I quite I like when people say, what are you doing here? It's got a bit of a charm, hasn't it? This is good. Well, I mean, you're you're speaking to someone who has also been bitten by the Danish football bug, so it's uh, I feel like we're kindred spirits in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, there's a fine balance, isn't there, between hipster and loser? You know what I mean? <laughs> Collecting East German Subutio teams. I mean, I send my boy. My boy is seven, and obviously, we it's quite Vestine where we live. So you're either Bonbu or all the shirts on offer 
in the school playground, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Barcelona. Today, he was Real Oviedo. Tomorrow, he has football training and he wants to wear his Genoa kit. This is what I'm creating, mate. This is what I'm creating. And uh, any Danish kits in the collection? <laughs> My missus is Silkeborg, so that's the only one. So that's the family team. You've seen a lot of Danish football over your time there. What are the kind of highlights covering the league, whether it's matches, whether it's people? Like, What, what have been the real sort of big moments for you? I mean, just, I remember there used to be Super League games on a Saturday and just basically leaving the house Friday morning and just a whole ba- weekend in Uland, game after game after game, and then returning home in the middle of the night, Tuesday, after being in Olborg on a Monday night. I just loved it, the, the whole access behind it and just learning. You know, in, in England, we say football started in 92 with the Premier League. Yeah. The Superliga for me started basically the day I arrived. Because anything before that, apart from old footage I've seen, I, I just didn't know about it. But then I wanted to be part of the future of it. That's why I would go to watch the youth teams play. I just wanted to know everything about it. But actually, the funniest thing ever was I once had a brief. Go to Espia and talk to Colin Todd about anything other than football. <laughs> I said, okay. So I'm in Espia High Street and we're playing cricket, me and Colin Todd, on our way to a snooker club. He was the manager of Espia. He was actually fired the day after I'd went to see him. It was, it was just the things off the camera. You know, he was trying to speak Danish and he was, he was talking about in the evening he was going to watch Notts County Macclesfield because, yeah. It doesn't get more yeah. random than that. But it was just the funny things off the camera. He, would say, he was like, you know, we played Bronby last week. Everybody keeps telling me we have to attack their left back because he's the worst in the league. Have you not seen the one in my team? (laughs) It was just so funny, all these things. He was shouting out of the window to say, like, how are you in Danish? He's like, Vodangoda. And he was just shouting it out of the window in Espia, but like pure northern English accent. (laughs) Vodangoda! Vodangoda! And I was like, this is, this is the manager of the local football team in the Super League. What the hell is he doing? Theory, me. Character. I think it's the characters, but the access. I just yeah. love it. I mean, of course, following Copenhagen in the Champions League, it's very special nights under the lights in Park. And yeah. Complete different experience from particularly, you know, a Sunday, if it's the four o'clock game. I mean, those, those nights in Park, and they have been absolutely splendid from Claudemir against Barcelona. Delaney's goal against Bruges. It's no matter what happens in the Superliga, whether they draw nil-nil with Hubble, whether Rannis come to Park and win, when that Champions League music plays, it's it's special. And I think that was something that at first I was like, wow, this is cool. I have to say that even this season, they've they've really raised their level in the uh, in the Champions League games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they get a free game, obviously, Wednesday. There was a point yesterday after 75 minutes of the Manchester derby when I could see Pep bringing off Gundogan, Foden and De Bruyne. And I'm thinking, Pep, don't. Don't. (laughs) Don't save them for Wednesday. Come on, have some mercy. Yeah, well, that's a game that that we'll be talking about later that that I've I've actually got tickets to. How's the league changed over your time covering it? It feels like it's a league that is going on lots of people's radars at the moment because of the talent that's being produced. Would you say there's been a steady progression over the years or has it been of a higher quality for longer than people give it credit for? I think 
a lot of tactical trends have developed. And I think, of course, we have the young players coming through, especially like the Norseland boys that we've seen, you know, move on. But I think for me, when I first came, obviously I spent a lot of time in Parkham. And it was the 4-4-2, Oscar Vent left back, Zdenik Pospet right back, loved it. But it was still William Christ, Yaldabo Nurgo, quite static in midfield, get it wide, get it in. Kind of, you know, 90s English style. Then mm. they were playing Europe. Jesper Gronkio would play behind Damon Doy, 4-4-1-1. That was the revelation. I think for me, obviously when Kasper Yulman won the league with Norseland, with that style, you know, trying to pass the ball. And then later on, Emilio Marcondes, the use, use of the false nine in the Super League. I think the Zorninger's press, when Alexander Zorninger came to Brondby, that was the real, that 4-4-2 diamond but the intensity, the pressing, I don't think the Super League had ever seen those energy levels before. Of mm. course, you, you get a few gems. Then, you, of course, like Hani Mukhtar has won. But just that style, that whole collective way of pressing, the intensity, and that was a big thing for me. And then, obviously, Midtjylland won the league, playing that 3-4-3, 3-5-2, if you like. Just a development from you know, the 4-4-2 as we, as we know it. Yeah, it feels like I can't think of a I can't think of a team playing four four two at the moment in the league. It feels like that's a, a bygone era. No, but of course it's still nice. I mean, three weeks before that decimation in Horsens when Zorniger's Bronbu lost the title, I, I went to see Zorniger and we had like a forty five minute tactical talk, which was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, you know, I can this, imagine. I, and I I remember saying to him. I actually think Norseland are the only team that can pass through your press and stop you from winning this title. And then obviously they didn't lose to Norseland and what happened in Horsens is obviously unforgettable for for everybody. But then you have a Horsens. They come. They are Danish Stoke City. Two fingers <laughs> up to anybody, weren't they? Bo Henriksen's Horsens. Get it up. Get it in the mixer. Get your head on it. Even this season, they're playing you know, centre-back at centre forward half the time uh, Jensen and uh, get, getting some results with that so yeah yeah all power whatever to works isn't it listen if you've got the budget to buy Cesc Fabregas and you can pass the ball great if you haven't just do what you got to do exactly well it feels like a good time to get into the weekend's action and you know where better to start than at a game that that you were at Liam um, FC Copenhagen against AGF and the start of the Jakob Niestrup era FC Copenhagen obviously won it 1-0. Bit of a super sub performance from Lucas Leriger coming off the bench and scoring with, I think it was his first touch. What was your take on the game? Well, his first touch was bringing down the IGF <laughs> player in the midfield, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> but <laughs> swipe the left foot at him. The thing for me was, I mean, in our editorial meeting, we have the two experts that were at work yesterday. Kenneth Emil Peterson used to be a centre-back for Oldborg and Unser. Won the double with Kent Nielsen in Olborg. And then, obviously, you remember Stig Tufting from his Bolton days. Mm. IGF legend. And, of course, we knew we had eight minutes after the game with Niestrup. So the whole narrative was, let's look for Niestrup's blueprint. And we thought, you know, you get the new manager bounce. Parkham was rocking. Also, the away end. Fantastic atmosphere, but they just started completely flat. Completely flat. And, obviously, you know, I should... Look for the whole knee struck, what has changed. But to be fair, I mean, he's coming off the back. 
Yes, Torup loses his job in the best game Copenhagen have played all season in Midtjylland. But of course, in results-based business, he loses his job. I have my notes with me, actually, from yesterday. Bearing in mind, I'm looking for the positives from Copenhagen's performance that we can mm. use after with Nystrup. And the first things I've written down is Kevin Jakob press, Agief high press, Agief stop Copenhagen building up, Christian Sorensen poor delivery, FCK failed build up, FCK mistake, and then four times Dorami poor. That, that was the story of the game. It was just flat. It lacked intensity. And Agief were good. To be fair, they did stop them playing. And then at half time, I don't know, the army had a Lucas aid. Things, <laughs> things changed, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, he, he um, certainly that second half, he was very impressive. And I think people were saying, oh, you know, he's starting to find his old level. But um, it was a it was a game of few chances, wasn't it? I think that the one nil Nystrup will take that absolutely. It, it, it felt like a game that probably should have been a nil nil. And uh, the statistics kind of bear that out. Yeah. I mean, he came in our studio after on via play and he you know of course he's very charismatic he's very good to listen to of course charisma doesn't win your football games but he came in and he you know he said listen yes first half wasn't great but Agief didn't have a chance hmm. goalkeeper didn't make one save yes there was a couple of half chances but defensively they were fine obviously they didn't have a lot going forward Dorami was very poor but I mean you look at the Superliga across those front three Cornelius Dorami, Klassen on the other side. Obviously, unfortunately for Zeka, the best player in the league is now injured. But Zeka, Falk in the middle, it's a championship winning team on paper. It should be, yeah. And and also throw in the mix, you know, Rooney Bardaji, who's barely played this season, but you know, he's got the he's got the talent to be a, a game changer if even off the bench. And I don't know what's going on there, whether it's a contract thing or or something, but he's just not playing. But yeah, you're right. It's a the, the squad is definitely underperforming, and obviously that the news about Zeka has come out today that he's um he's done his ACL again. I think a year to the day of doing it last season, he's done the same knee, and yeah, that's a devastating blow for him and um, a real blow for Copenhagen. You know, losing losing their captain at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, technically. Of course, he's head and shoulders above any central midfielder in the league. It's fantastic the way he reads the game, breaks up the play and makes everyone else better. Yeah, and he, he's got that fantastic connection with uh, Rasmus Falk as well. You know, the two of them really have the, you know, on, the, on their day can absolutely dictate the, the play. Zeka sits in so Falk can go and roam and then Falk yeah. needs to, you know, break the lines with the passes to to the likes of their army that obviously should be performing in, at a higher level. But second half yesterday, there's there's the glimpses. Mm. Trabs on spore away. He showed, you know, he could get hold of the ball, take the pressure off a little. But of course, I mean, Copenhagen need to see more of him. Yeah, he needs to get one v one like he did second half. The army one v one is exactly what Nystrup, you know, wants to see. Do you think this is going to be the? Is this going to be the start of the revival for FC Co? Or is this um? Is it going to take longer, do you think, for them to, to, to really kind of bed into a, a new manager and a, a new system? You should expect some new manager bounce. Of course, Wednesday night, you take that out of the equation against City. That's a free hit. But you get a bit of momentum before the World Cup. I mean, look at the fixture list. It's incredible how many games they've got. Just a little bit of momentum with, with that quality they've got. They can just hit the ground running. I mean, two or three wins in a row. Totally different ball game. Yeah, 
Yeah. Completely different going into that winter break. And then obviously they can kick on from there. Neistrup says all the right things and that second half yesterday, with the individual quality we already know they've got, you would have to expect that, you know, that they they are going to hit some kind of form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's one final question on FC Co that I wanted to ask. Do you think that now that Kamil Grabara is back in full training, do, do you think he's going to unseat Matt Ryan as keeper? It seems strange to have two keepers in the squad of that kind of level of quality. I don't think either of them are going to be prepared to sit on the bench. How do you see that situation playing out? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Grabara is probably going to be the number two and he would be number one for the other 11 teams in the league, which is quite yeah. strange. But as soon as Matty Ryan came in and there was question marks, Trab's on spore away. I remember having a discussion before and people were saying, oh, big game, big game. I was like, he's playing the Premier League. He's <laughs> yeah. played for the Nas- Australian national team. I had no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And I'm absolutely sure he's the number one also, whether Gabara yeah. likes it or not. Yeah, I agree with you on that, to be honest. But it's um, it does seem a weird situation to have a player of Gabara's quality just sat there. But hey, here we go. The the next game we're going to talk about is uh, a, a bit of a derby, um, a Yulin derby between FC Midtjylland and Viborg. It finished one all. Both goals were within about 30 seconds of each other. The first one coming from a misplaced pass from Christopher Olsen, very nicely finished by J. Roy Grott. And Olsen went straight up the other end from the kickoff and atoned for his error with the goal down the other end. And that was it. And it was a, a very entertaining game. And I think that Viborg are really showing that, you know, it almost doesn't matter who they sell. Um, they're still showing a, a really high level and able to impose their game on people. Can you talk a little bit about the rise of Viborg and, you know, uh, how you've seen them over the years get to this point now where, you know, they're, I think they're third in the table and, and you know, playing in Europe, it, they've come a long way. Well, let me just say you said a bit of a derby. I think uh, behind the goal in Viborg, it's a bit more than that to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I'm... Also in Silkeborg, Silkeborg is actually mid-Uland. They also are not big fans of, uh, yeah, that emergence of Ecast and Herning. Back in '99. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I, I, I might yeah, have I undersold mean, it. It is it after the the Copenhagen derby. It's one of the biggest derbies in the Superliga. But it is. I mean, if you talk to in Herning, I've spoke to some of the Midland fans, and it's kind of like it's difficult, isn't it, for them to hate Viborg? Yes, because they're a new club, and Viborg are so yo-yo up and down between the divisions. But mm. now, obviously, there is that stability. I was actually there in 2015 when Viborg last won in Herning. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> wow. Um, because I remember it because I saw him at Akaraz. He also played for Agief and Veshilan. I don't mm. know if you know. Absolute yeah. luxury player. I mean, you know, I remember my friend once calling Owen Hargreaves a tampon because he was useful once a month. And that was like Akaraz. And he scored two that day. Coming wow. in, always, always used to come in on the left side onto his right foot. And that day he was just, you know, one of those unplayable games. And then, of course, he went missing again for a few weeks after. <laughs> but I, I actually remember being there at that game. Going back to Viva, I mean, if, yes, the the Europe thing helped. That's one thing. If you ask me one thing that I don't like about the Superliga, that I think that playoff game is the one thing I don't like. Viborg had no right to be in Europe. 
Do you think, oh, you see, for me, I, that game gives the all of the relegation group teams a carrot and it keeps the, some of those games interesting. Whereas I think if you take away any incentive to finish top of the relegation group, there's going to be so many dead games towards the end of the season. You know, if you're safe from relegation, but you can't move above seventh, what's the what's the point? Yeah, I understand that argument. I just, I can't handle it. I don't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, I think. Can't the seventh best team in a 12-team league should not be playing West Ham. <laughs> and you know what? They they held their own against West Ham, uh, at least in the first leg. I, th- I thought they were very impressive. Um, but yeah, the, I, there's, an, you know, there's an argument for, for both. I, I know the league in the past has been a traditional league system where, where it doesn't split. Um, and I, I've spoken to traditionalists who would much prefer it was back that way. Uh, I can sort of see a merit to both. But yeah, it, it does open up possibilities like that and I think this I think I'm right in saying that since they've started this this is the first time that that the relegation group team actually actually won yeah that's right it is it is but Viborg I mean like you said they are improving and J. Roy Grot fantastic obviously they're going to miss the left foot now of Christian Sorensen but you know they seem to have a structure that works and obviously very well coached you saw what they did to Bonbu very brave on the ball a few weeks ago they and they found a weakness, Christian Capis on that left wing back, and everything went down that side. And then they found Grot, and yeah, football's yeah. easy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> football's easy afterwards. Putting your putting your money on the table, who's going to finish higher this season, Midtjylland or Viborg? Midtjylland. Okay, so they're gonna they're gonna find some find some form again under Capellas and. Uh, and yeah, Capellas the gets them going, and then of course the quality—it's undoubted. They just need to find that rhythm. That first game in Bronbu, Sisto gets in behind. I mean, you know, the Ivanda. Of course, the quality's there. Yeah, I was really expecting him to go. There were lots of lots of rumours linking him to. I think it was Galatasaray in the summer, and I thought there's no way he's going to stick around. But sure enough, he's here, and I'm I'm sure the rumours will come again in in Christmas. But yeah, it seems bizarre that he's still in the league because he's head and shoulders the best kind of attacking player in the league. Yeah, absolutely. But those luxury players, of course, they get, they do get linked, don't they? They get linked to you know Belgium, Turkey, yeah, those leagues. But it's not the grass isn't always greener, is it? We've seen a lot a lot go for big you know big bigish money, but it just doesn't work out. It, it's also hard for the grass to be greener if it's uh, if it's not synthetic as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the Bromby game, three all, and yeah, they're, they're, they're sitting in tenth, which is an unfamiliar spot for such a big team. What is going on? I mean, how, how can you score three goals at home and not take home three points? Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Defensively, they've been a shambles. They are, they have been a shambles. But I went to the game against Rannis a few weeks ago, the two two game Rannis with that late equaliser. Mm. And then the 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 starting lineup came out, and I thought to myself, I think they've got it here. I would I would have Daniel Vass in that midfield. Yeah, a player of that experience, that technical ability. Daniel Vass further up the pitch. Jens Martin Gamelbu at right back. Then obviously they had. The Norwegian guy, the new guy from you know from Red Star, and then Headland, Nikolai Vallis at the top of a four four two diamond. Matthias Gleo, a good Super League player. Radosovic in there, steadied the ship. 
And I thought this is the way to go. Of mm. course, still question marks with Capis on the left-back position. But for me, that team, I was like, this, this is a good team. And then they, they leaked goals again. There was obviously times in the game they had spells and they played some good football. And, and when they looked to play more direct, they, they seemed to, things seemed to work a little better. But I think the frightening thing is, it's when you look at the Lungbu goals and you use the word passive. You know, they stand off. There's no energy, no intensity, no desire. And that is frightening when you are down there. Daniel Vast backing away on, on the crosses yesterday. Slimani just poking his foot, you know, like, like a, my seven-year-old boy, afraid to tackle. Yeah, and when you see that lack of intensity as well, I think that's when questions start getting asked of the manager. And I think the pressure is building there, isn't it? I, th- I think he had a certain amount of goodwill, Nils Fredriksson, from the, um, from the title win. Uh, last season, obviously, didn't go as as they'd hoped. They, they, you know, the mitigating circumstances where they had sold some some big players, but the way that this season's going, you you wonder if he'll um, if he'll make the winter break. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, whatever happens, yes, they're tenth. Yes, they're struggling, but he can walk out that building with his head held high after that championship and those transfer windows where nobody's helped him. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's lost his best players. And nobody has, you know, they haven't replaced that quality, which yeah, is unfortunate. I, That's, it's unfortunate because they had something to build on. And of course, they had the, the spell in Europe, which is caught. I mean, Bronbu Stadium, European night. I talk about Parkham being special, but there's just something about Bronbu. Those, ye- you know, those yellow shirts. It's just, it's that 90s feel again, isn't it? That's that hipster thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, d- it does, look, does look crazy there on, uh, I, uh, on my list for, for, for my next trip, I think. Um, Got to gotta try and catch a derby there. We're recording this on, on Monday night. And just before we started recording, the full-time whistle blew in Farham. And FC Norgeland ran out 3-1 winners against the uh, Randers. And that was, uh, amazingly, a first versus second clash, which you wouldn't have guessed at the beginning of the season. Or the beginning of October. Or the beginning of October, (laughs) yeah, indeed. But, uh, I mean, Norgeland, for for anyone who who hasn't seen the game yet, check out the highlights because Andreas Sheldrup was at his absolute majestic best and Ernest Nuama scored the second fastest goal in Superliga history after only 12 seconds of the first half. So they absolutely blew Randers out of the out of the blocks and yeah never really let up from there and they look like a team that if they can hang on to some of the talents they have past Christmas they could be a real dark course for the title absolutely let me just say you know a few words on FC Norgeland when I first came and then you go to Farham Farham Park I mean there's literally three and a half thousand people there Perhaps lunchtime kickoff on a Sunday because, you know, they are not blockbuster. Let's be honest. They're not blockbuster for the hipster, <laughs> for the football purist, if you know. And three and a half thousand people in Farham Park and 90% of them are school children. And I was like, wow, these are at the top of Danish football. But if you, then you realise how important FC Norseland are to Danish football and mm. the whole youth academy, the youth setup. I mean, those, they, Young teams, absolutely brilliant to watch and the way they try to play and pass the ball and just keep developing, keep selling, keep developing, but keep competing. Yes, last year, obviously, very was you know a poor season, 
But otherwise, every single year I've been here, they compete and they can beat anybody. Absolutely anybody. And this year they've just showed nobody, not one single person would have put them anywhere near the top six, especially on the back of last season. And then again, you know, you just pick out names. Just name some random names. You've never heard of them six months ago. And then they just do the business and then they move on for big money. Absolutely brilliant. I think there's a, probably three or four, maybe even maybe even more than that, players in the squad who I think could be, you know, pushing pushing 10 million euros uh, or certainly 8 million euros, which, for, you know, in Super League terms, it's massive money. And the, the way that transfer fees are going and the volume of talent they're producing, you know, you, you wonder at what point they'll think we actually don't need to sell any players this window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't, that's not the policy, is it? That's, I mean, that's the turnover and that's why they are so important and just churning out the talent. Yeah. You know, Damsko in the, in the European Championships, tremendous. Yeah, and then he had that. He had that one season, just couldn't stop scoring. Skull Olsen, think of Marcondes, and then obviously Kudus just went to Ajax. Camelden. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. So it's there the season when Yulman won the championship with Norshalan, and mm. absolutely fantastic. Actually, the captain at the time, Nikolai Stockholm. I think he was perhaps he was my first man crush in Danish football. <laughs> absolutely loved it. He used to just drop down between the centre backs, pick up, pick it up. Spray these diagonal passes, you know, on that lovely pitch. I thought it was wonderful. Well, it could happen again this season. I think it's probably got their best chance for a number of years with the the way that some of the traditionally bigger teams are struggling. So, yeah, watch this space. And uh, who are they playing next? Of course, FC Copenhagen in Parken, I believe. So that's going to be a feisty affair. It is, but they always struggle there. I mean, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure if we look through the stats... They rarely go back to forum with anything. Perhaps this time will be different, just given the the relative forms of the two teams and the fact that you know FC Co obviously have this midweek away game. But yeah, it's, that's going to be a fascinating game. I'm I'm going to be tuning into that. And if anyone in the UK wants to watch that, it's going to be on One Football and FIFA Plus apps for free. So get yourself those and, and watch this game because that's going to be two big teams going head to head there. There were two other games to talk about. Firstly, the game between the two teams that sound the same in Danish to me. Albi <laughs> versus Albi. Is that right, Liam? Mate, after all these years, it's still Obi versus Obi. I don't know if we're going to Aalborg or Unsa. It's <laughs> Obi and Obi, it's the same thing. I cannot un- I can't get them letters. My kids tell me off. They're like, no, Obi. Obi. Obi, I'm like that's the same. You're saying the same thing. <laughs> well, helpfully they drew one all, so we don't need to say who got which. Um, but uh, yeah. that, was, that was a very entertaining game. It looked like Alborg were definitely improved on recent weeks. I think getting the new manager in is obviously he's had time to work over the international break. They still haven't turned that into a win necessarily, but I, I was encouraged by their performance there. And the other game was Silkeborg 2, Horsens 1. Silkeborg were 2-0 up, uh, Horsens got one back late, and you wondered if they were going to uh, spoil the party again as the perennial underdogs. But no, Silkeborg took home a 2-1 victory. And yeah. Uh, Indeed. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, what's your take on Silkeborg this season? Do you think that they can repeat the bronze medal heroics of last season? 
Well, I, I think they can just because the other teams have been so out of form. Mm. Uh, losing Vallis, not great. But Sebastian Jansson, Hellenius, I mean, he knows where the onion bag is. <laughs> yeah, and even, even Kasper Kusk, you know, l- l- looks like he's happy to be playing regular football and, and has definitely been onion bagging himself. Absolutely. I, I wish Massimil Masson was still wearing a red shirt. Then I perhaps would say bronze. If we could have the old, the pre-Austria Massimil Masson back. <laughs> Yeah. Then I would perhaps say bronze. My missy sister was, she was screaming gold a month ago, but, you know, calm down, calm down. <laughs> but, you know, I'll say fifth, if you ask me. If I have to yeah. put my house on, it's fifth. Okay. Well, I'm sure they'd, well, they probably wouldn't take that, actually, given uh, that doesn't get them in Europe. But I, I think that would be a, a reasonable return, especially given, you know, Carstensen, Valleys, both out the door. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to talk a little bit now about a game that is happening on Wednesday that I'm going to, despite there being a train strike and despite the forecast being for the heaviest rainfall of the year, I am heading up to Manchester to see FC Copenhagen touch down and play arguably, in fact, I'm not even sure if it's arguably the, the best team in world football at the moment, which is a pretty frightening prospect. Um, <laughs> you're going to be working for that game. Is that right, Liam? Absolutely. I've already prepared three different analyses today. Holland is good at assists. Holland is good at goals. And the players around Holland are quite good. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes, let's just say that Holland is a monster and Manchester City are an absolute beast. I think the biggest fear for me is they're ruthless. They don't stop. They smell blood. And if they score early, I obviously do fear the worst. But it's a free game. You know, If it's different if Copenhagen, if they went to Seville and got hammered, because then people can't start to question the Super League. Mm. But Manchester City, can they can beat Hoffenheim 8-0, they can beat Sporting Lisbon 8-0, and then we don't start to question the quality of their leagues. Listen, Manchester City are a very, very special, unique team, and they just should go there, have some selfies, get organised, get behind the ball, and hope the rain calls it off. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a feeling you might need to prepare a fourth analysis because I I have a theory that Haaland's going to get rested for this game and that Alvarez is going to play. Not to say that that means that Man City aren't still going to win, but I think that they might just give him a break for this one, which would Ooh, be a welcome a relief. statement that is, Henry. I mean, <laughs> I'd be prepared to bet a bottle of red wine next time you're in Copenhagen. Right, let's do that. Haaland they, will not start on Wednesday. It's on. Isn't this the one? You know how they think. They're about records. Erling Haaland is thinking, I can get another three here, maybe four. Maybe. And then <laughs> this is where you get the golden boots. Twice yeah. against FC Copenhagen, unfortunately, for us that want to see a close game, a surprise. This is where they get their records. This is where you get the golden boot, isn't it? You get five goals in two games. Listen, football is nothing without uh, without the occasional underdog victory, and so I'm going to be I'm going to be going there. I'm going to be sitting with the FC Copenhagen fans. I'm going to be having some beers, enjoying the day out, hopefully seeing a Copenhagen goal, and let's see what happens. Even though Man City are just a force of nature, but yeah, it's going to be a fascinating encounter. Definitely the hardest group game uh, that Copenhagen will face, and like you say, it's a free hit. So go out there all guns blazing, and just see what happens. Absolutely. And by the way, last time 
Copenhagen were in the Champions League, we travelled to all the away games, which unfortunately was Leicester, Porto and Bruges. And now they end up at the Etihad. They play Dortmund in front of the yellow wall and they have a lovely trip to the south of Spain. Now we stay in Amma in the south of Copenhagen in our lovely warm studio. What is going on? Yeah, yeah you what to, is going on? You need to revisit that travel budget, Liam. Get that going. <laughs> <laughs> just before we wrap up, we're going to just talk about the, the games that are coming up this weekend. Just give a, a little prediction. No prizes for the winner, but I will definitely be reminding you if I come out on top on this. We're going to start with uh, Lingby versus Viborg. Uh, is this the time where Lingbu fe- finally get their first victory of the season? Oh, I've written 2-1 Viborg here, but you know what? After yesterday, I- I'm, pu- I'm going to put it out there, yeah. 1-0 Lingbu. Wow, okay. Yeah, come on, <laughs> I'm, come on, I'm there, I'm there. I'm nicking your prediction. I'm going 2-1 Viborg. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got the game that we talked about earlier, FC Copenhagen against Norgeland. I'm fascinated how you're going to call this one. 3-2, FCCO. Oof. It could be more convincing than that, but I'm going 3-2. I think it could be a bit of a cracker, this one. Wow. Well, I see goals in this one, but I think this is going to be a score draw, so I'm going to go 2 all. I think that both teams have lots of goals in them, and yeah, why not? Then in Arus, it's uh, AGF against uh, FC Michelin, another it's a very entertaining game in prospect there. And how do you see that one panning out? <clears throat> one nil Midland. Ooh, okay. I am actually I actually see this going the other way. I see um I see AGF pulling out a, a two one two one victory here, maybe. I'm not convinced by Jonas Lothal at the moment. No, and well there's every reason you shouldn't be. And also Uwe Rossler's doing a very good job. He is, yeah. They're, they're, they yeah. look chalk, chalk and cheese from last season. There's always question marks. I mean you know, he comes in, he's the last two jobs relegated with Dusseldorf, and you don't win the Swedish title with Malmo. There's question marks. There's a real, there's a style to AGF now, there's a philosophy. Hope can be the worst thing in Aarhus, let me tell you. <laughs> but they're, they're better. Yeah, I, I think they'll be comfortable top six this season, and that's something to build on. So, yeah. They'll then... lose to Midtjylland, but that's another story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see about that. I, I I think they've they've looked pretty strong at home, and I think that that sort of barnstorming style with you know big guys like Mortensen and uh, and Groning up front, I, I, I can I can see it yielding fruit, uh, especially since you know Michelin have a tough game this week on I think it's Thursday. They're playing Feyenoord, so that might take the stuffing out of them a little bit. And we saw at the weekend, you know, they, they did a bit of rotation, started with Anderson and Isaacson on the bench and. You know, failed to get the three points. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And after that demolition of Lazio, they were, although they beat Copenhagen, they were poor. They were flat. Yeah, absolutely. On another day, Haraldson gets three. Yeah, I wasn't really convinced by either that that, that game, to be honest. But, um, but yeah. Then uh, it's uh, Ulbi against uh, Silkeborg. Surely this is only going one way. Yeah, Jabali gets a late consolation. 2 1 <laughs> to my Silkeborg. Yeah, you know what? Our Silkeborg, whatever they are. Silkeborg winning. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. But I, I do think Jabali consolation sounds like a good shout. He's on red hot form at the moment. And yeah, I think he'll pop up with a goal. Yeah. Uh, then it's Randers against Rombu, I believe. 
Yeah. As far as my pronunciation going, yeah. Uh, um, listen, I'm not the one to judge, mate. <laughs> it was uh, not perfect, but it was okay. I I think the home side are gonna gonna turn things around after losing today. I, I think it's uh, as you say, the defence at Bromby has not been excellent lately, and I think that they've got you, you know they've got the talent to hurt them. So uh, I'm go- I'm gonna call that one three one. Okay, bold. It's so boring, isn't it? It's so boring, but I think one one. You know, the game of the week on our TV station, the game that we'll all go to, and I just, I think it'll be 1-1. I'm sorry. <laughs> so r- riddle me this, final fixture of the of the weekend, Horsens versus Alborg. Now, before the season, you would say this is a nailed-on Alborg win, but the way the season's panning out, I, you know, I think this is a really hard one to call. I think this is the hardest one to call of the weekend. Yeah, I think you're right. That's why I've gone for another <laughs> another 1-1. Yeah, I, I think you could yeah. be right. I, 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 I might just... Me, I'll be sat on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I think just to be different, I'm going to say 2-1 Alborg. They're finally going to pull a win out of the bag away from home. But Horsens have been so tough to break down this season. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. But the, our predictions are now locked in, in the bag. And uh, <laughs> I will be letting you know how we get on with those. Exactly. No worries. Fortune favours the brave. Next time you're in Copenhagen, we'll have a beer. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. Well, we're going to wrap up part one there. Liam, thanks so much for joining me on the the inaugural Danish Dynamite pod. And I hope that I can twist your arm into coming back in the future at some point. Where can people catch you on TV3 Sport? I have a Premier League show called Football Fever on Via Play. Uh, but I'm there. If you see any good analyses on a Sunday night, then it's probably me. <laughs> With the help of people a little smarter than me that used to play football. Fantastic. Well, if I had TV3 and Via Play, I would be tuning in. But hopefully plenty of the listeners do and they can come and see your fantastic Premier League stuff as it happens. We're going to take a short break now, but... We're going to return for part two after the break and we're going to be joined by V-Borg captain Jeppe Gronning to talk about life as a Superliga player, playing in Europe and why nobody swaps shirts in domestic matches. Catch you right after this. Okay, welcome back to part two of the Danish Dynamite podcast. And I have to say, it's not every day you get to speak to a Superliga player who is both a captain and a club legend. With over 300 appearances for Viborg and the captain's armband firmly in place for the past five years, I'm delighted to welcome Jeppe Groning to the show. Jeppe, it's a real pleasure to have you here. How are you? Uh, thanks a lot for the introduction. That was uh, very fine. Uh, I am, uh, I'm good and I hope you are too. Great. I guess the best place to start is the the match yesterday. You obviously played in a very intense Jylland derby against Midtjylland. Uh, you know, the stadium was packed, the fans, and in particular, the Viborg fans were making a lot of noise. What was your take on the game? Uh, first of all, it's also a, always a massive ex- experience to have these games. Uh, it's the game that we look forward to the most. Every time the schedule comes out, that's the, the game that both the players and the fans uh, look for uh, first. So, um, so it's a big, big occasion. The game, first of all, I think we have to be satisfied with the, with the point. We, we actually came for, for the win. So there's some things in our performances where I'm not that satisfied with, but we, we grew into the game. And uh, in the end, we got a point, but which we have to be, as I said, satisfied with. But um, but 
yeah, we had a good goalkeeper and uh, and we also we took the lead, but but unfortunately not not that long. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that happens, isn't it? When a, a player makes a uh, an error like uh, Olsen did, they try and atone for it pretty much straight away. So yeah, we're here talking, you know, barely twenty four hours after the game. What does the day after a game look like for you in terms of training and recovery? Oh, it's it's quite e- quite easy. Oh, it's, it's the, the the training is divided in, in two groups. The the group that has played a lot of minutes yesterday, the one that I'm part of. Uh, we just we go to the gym uh, to do some light uh, fitness exercises, uh, some strength, uh, and some recovery biking just to get the, the the body going. While the other group they're on the pitch uh, doing some some bit more and some running also to catch up. With, with what we did yesterday and then uh, we have a day off tomorrow and then we start the, the week again for, for, for well we already had a game on had, has a game on, on Friday so um, on Wednesday when we get, get in again then uh, we're gonna gonna look at that game great and what do you do on a day off tomorrow my my I have two kids uh, but they are they're away in, uh, in kindergarten so I have a day day off really a day off <laughs> my wife is at, at work also but uh, but when you have a house and you have some some things to do, then there's a lot of, of things that uh, that really really can do. So it's not gonna be just a day on, on the couch. I'm gonna be around and, and yeah, in the in the garden and whatever. But uh, at least yeah. there's, there's some quiet time and uh, <laughs> also that also can do something. Yeah, I've got two kids myself, and I can tell you when you get time away from the kids, that's just to yourself. The time goes about two or three times as quick as it normally does. So <laughs> enjoy it. it. Yeah, I know. Um, it was, of course, a pretty remarkable 12 or 14 months for, for, for Viborg and for you as a, a captain. Can you tell us a bit about how the last year or so has felt from becoming Division One champions to qualifying for Europe through the playoff? You, of course, scored in that game and, you know, winning it on penalties with the final kick of the season. Like, How, how, did, how do you sort of process all of that? It's been some crazy years, actually, starting from 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 when when Jesper Fredberg came as sports director. As you know, I've been part of the club for for a long time, and there's been a lot of years ups and downs. And, and before he came, it's been some some tough years in the in the first first division uh, where we we had some okay years, but it's always like something was missing. Like we struggled against against something that we couldn't take the next step. And um, when he came in, he just transformed the, the club together with the, the coaches coming in, setting a, a strategy that, that just not just looked on, on the next season, but but two or three years forward. And at that point, I really I really liked what he came with, but I maybe didn't understand that it could be as big as, as, it, is, as it is now right now because like everything the club wanted, just happened and especially uh, also earlier than than expected i would i would say so the last couple of years has just been amazing to be a part of and i'm so proud to to also to experience the the, the the great moments because when i look back it's been so many especially since i was elected as captain uh, standing in, in the front and always some years i had to protect the team protect myself um, we have some very um very good fans, but also very demanding fans. So the, the difficult years, I almost every year had after the season had to go down to them and, and apologize for for not uh, being successful again. And it's, it was very tough. Uh, so, but right now it's just worth it to, to 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 try this again because I was also a bit afraid in in my career that 
I had some years in the Superliga back in 2015-16. And then you feel like, okay, now it's just going to be like that. But then you're away from it. So I'm I never going, going back. And then you experience what I'm experiencing right now. It's just amazing. But still, as a football player, you never really... You never really, um, you never really satisfied. There's always a game. There's always you never really relaxed. So, right now I know, and I really try to celebrate what we're doing. But at the same time, I, you know, you have that little bit afraid of of, of it's gonna turn again. So um, it's probably gonna be one of them that I, when I when I quit, then I look back at these years and really feel what is what it's like. Yeah, and I guess that sort of sense of always wanting to to do more. I mean, you guys came into the league, you've got into Europe, and now you're 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 very much kind of in the title race. I know it's early in the season, but Copenhagen and Midtjylland are, are both um, dropping points, and there's something to aim for there. Yeah, the fact that actually I really feel disappointed about yesterday, and and not based on the game because then we, we couldn't expect to win that game. But based on, on our performance, based on that, that I really felt like we could go there and get the win and, and have kept the, the lead a bit longer. I did some things a little bit better than I, I really think we had a chance. And mm. it was the same that the week before against Burnley, where we were quite by far the better team. So the feeling in the squad is is that we compete with, any, with everyone uh, and that we, we have a high level. And we know that, but we also demand that, that we keep yeah. that because we know that if we just lack five or ten percent, then there's so many teams that's stronger individually than, than we are. Yeah. But 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 we we know that 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 we we are a good team, and that's uh, that's really a strength that uh, that we take into these games. And you, you've been promoted to the Superliga several times with Viborg. I'd love to know what you feel are the kind of the major differences between the first division and the Superliga. Is there a big gap in quality when you move up? Uh, you know, th- does your training or preparation change? I think there's a, of, of course, there's a, a gap in individual quality, especially from the best teams in the in the league. You also see the players getting sold from the Super League. They can, they can make it on a, on a bigger stage. So the individual quality is 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 it's different, of course. But the way the games are played are also quite different because in the in the first division, I, I in some way, there's not that much respect for for the other teams. So. Every team just comes and gives it a go, and it's more wild. It's more like not that controlled. It's it's more difficult to get the control of the game. Uh, it's more back and forth and, and duels and set pieces and and stuff. So actually, as a midfielder, in in my position, you sometimes get more time in the Superliga in in the areas that's not dangerous because the teams they know that which areas are important to defend. Uh, so. Um, I would say that, that it's more controlled in the Superliga, and, and we also have changed with the, with, the, with the new coach that we also try to have the more control with and without the ball now than we had the, in the first division, where we knew that our quality and physique was was better than the rest. So could it, could we just make it like an uh, open physical game? Then we knew that we were the better team. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and you you obviously played six games in Europe at the start of this season. Um, how how did that sort of change your um, uh, I guess your your preparation and your your training regime? Given you know you were playing twice a week, you're traveling um, to different countries. Uh, w- was that something that you needed to adapt to, or did it come naturally? I think uh, first of all, it was quite a gift in the case of we could use the squad 
the whole squad. Sometimes when you're in these one games a week, it's difficult to get everyone in, uh, to, to make everyone satisfied. And, and after the last success and last season, everyone wants to be part of the, the new season. And so always new players coming in uh, this summer. So it was quite, quite good for us that we could, could everyone got the chance to both play in Europe and also play some, some big games in, in Denmark at, around that time. Hmm. So I think that was actually a, a profit that we maybe didn't expect that much. And then, but but of course the, the training for for those of us that almost played every game, there was not a lot of training like like what you know, like basic normal football training. It was just about game uh, restitution, uh, travel, game restitution, travel like all the time. Because when you play first first day and you play Sunday again, the Premier League fans they know that that it's, it's difficult because then you you we um, traveled home at the night. Uh, just just a, at the same day of the game, okay. so came came back at the middle of the night, and then the next day you have to recover your sleep. You have to get back in the rhythm, and then one training, and then you have the game again. But we also talked about that it's not a physical load; it's more like the mental load. Mm. So if you're prepared and if you really focus on on the things, then then it worked for us quite well. I can imagine the amount of mental preparation that goes into understanding who you're you, you know the tactics of the team you're playing your individual assignments and then having to having to kind of process that in a limited time i can imagine that's a that's a challenge but one of the, i think what was one of the strengths strange for us is that we have so detailed in what we want to do of course we adapt to the opponents but but we really has a has a way of doing it our way so we didn't have to adapt that much in every game we just tried to do our stuff and then tweak it a little bit. So it was not that important to train like a whole week on, on the opponents because in, in most cases, it's just about uh, ourselves. I think that's what's, so, that's what's been so refreshing about Viborg. Um, watching Viborg is that you've got a way of playing and you tend to impose that style on other teams rather than kind of sit back and wait to see what they're doing. And I think that that sort of front foot is what has, what's kind of got you in this uh, great position. I remember speaking to you at the press conference at the West Ham game in London. And one thing that really stuck in my mind was that you were saying that this was a, such a big game, such a big stadium, you know, for, for you personally and for the team, but you weren't there as tourists. And I think that that showed on the pitch that, you know, a lot of people in the UK hadn't seen V-Borg before and were really impressed with the intensity and the quality that you played with as a team. Can you tell me a bit about the experience of those games with West Ham and what it was like as a, as a player compared to, say, like a, a domestic game in Denmark? Yeah, I think everything up to the game was just crazy. You know, uh, first of all, of course, just being in Europe was 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 big. But but we already had had four games. But as soon as the, the draw came out, like the whole the city was was just bursting. You know, like like everyone wanted to talk about it, and that was actually quite not difficult. But we had like two or three games in the league before we had to play West Ham, so it was everyone was talking about tickets like the experience who want to play those matches but we still had to do our work but but we managed to do it at the players but but i think every everyone else just talk about those games and we knew that it was more than more experience than uh, actual game because even though we went for it we knew that the, the chance was very very low to to proceed we had to accept that but still we also knew that if we had to just even get a compete with them we had to do it on our, on our own way because if we were just sitting back, they would probably uh, beat us even even bigger. Um, and then I also think what we're talking a lot about all the time in the, in the club, even also with all the steps we're making, all the new challenges, is that we need to be brave. We need to always push the limit. 
And this was a chance to to push the limit and see how far we could go against a team where honestly we didn't know how how big the gap was. We knew there was a gap and we knew they would be better individually, but we didn't know the gap. So we would just try to see how close can we get to them. And I think that especially over there we 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 did it very well. And but I also think that probably they they didn't expect what we came with. I, I don't think they spent so much time <laughs> preparing for the game because I think in the second game where we thought, okay, now we at home, the whole city was just bouncing, but they had more respect and they came with a better team. And then even though we had we, we were in the game at home, we, we, we never really was, was as close as, as we wanted. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the game in London was, was something really special, I think, because you guys brought a really high level and uh, and surprised them and you know scored a goal and um the, there were loads of fans there so yeah it was a, that was a really special experience to to be there one thing i wanted to ask you about is that the squad of, over the last 12 months or so you've had to adapt to some really key departures in the middle of last season you lost your manager and sebastian groning and then you know this season obviously dealing with uh, Lars Kramer and Christian Sorensen and now Justin Lonwick these are all departures who are i guess starting players have them leaving changed how you approach matches you know particularly Christian Sorensen was so important to how you attacked has that changed how you prepare or adapt or is it just a case of someone else plugs into the system and we go same way i think basically we try to do the same but we also accept that players are different. For all Christian's uh, set pieces, assists, and one of the, his key areas was also the, his build-up from behind, from from a low position, uh, where he was very good to to find the angles and get like the the almost like the Guardiola the, the, fed, the fullback who, who chucks in in midfield and and. and I think Oliver has also strength, but but also in another way he's, he's maybe more dynamic in another way. But so we always try to find solution, and and if we build up with like three players, then sometimes it's a eight dropping, sometimes it's fullback going in. It's it's more like rotations, and maybe then like one of the midfielder drops a bit more this time, and and Oliver stays high. But it, we try to do the same. It's not like we we, we totally change things, and that's what also what what worked for us, and also with. Now replacing two coaches and and a lot of players uh, because the strategy is 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 set from the club. Those mm. who doesn't know the story. They 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 have to learn that, that this club the the club that sets the, the our way of playing mostly and and how they want to do it and the strategy. And then the coach of course has something to say and he's it's very tactically tactically clever our our coach. But it still has to fit with with the the, the plan the overall plan. So everything that every coaches has to agree on what what the club wants to do mm-hmm. and, the, and and the players there is a plan so when you sign someone it's because they have to replace when someone else is, is sold and it's, it's the first time in my time here that we really managed to sell some players and I think that's a very healthy sign for a club like like ours that we need to be able to do it and, and right now we, we really have replaced them well and I also know that Maybe one or two players in the end will be difficult to replace but we also have to understand where we are as a club and um Maybe at, at some point it's a little bit setback, but I don't feel like that right now. I feel like every replacement not right now is just almost just gotten better, but also because we had more time together as a group. Mm. Yeah, and and to be selling players to to Copenhagen and to Dynamo Kiev, you know, that's a uh, I, I think that says a lot in itself that you know that they can they can shop anywhere, <laughs> and so I, I think it's a sign of the the quality that you have as a team for sure. 
you mentioned Jakob Fries there, and I, I don't know if you have the same expression in Denmark, but in England we say, you know, when one door closes, another opens. And I think that that's never been more apparent than with Jakob Fries. You know, he's obviously had an amazing impact since coming in. What's been the kind of the biggest difference that you've noticed under him compared with other managers that you've worked with in the past? I think in general, I think if you compare like my whole career, then the three last uh, coaches we had has been more like modern coaches, I would say, who really tries to um, to go in details on the pitch and, and really learn the, the basics. Like I, I'm now I'm 31. I think if I learned what I've learned the last three years when I was 20, then I, I really would like to see where my career was going because I've learned so much basic stuff. Like I always, people told me that, you have to be better than at this and this, but but I was like, yeah, I know, but but how <laughs> I can try to, but, but how can I learn it if you know? They've really been good at it, and, and that 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 works for every player, and and also just in in our way of playing, because then I know that where my teammates are, so it's so much easier to develop and to play right now. I think if you compare Jakob to to the, the former coaches and especially Lars, uh, then then Jakob is a bit more. In, in football-wise, uh, controlled, uh, like uh, last we wanted the, the wild matches, the, the pressing all over the pitch, and we still want that as a club and as a team. But Jakob wants a little bit more control that, that we also protect the key areas. And I think, especially as a central midfielder, then I know that when Jakob came, that he felt like me in a position six. Sometimes I was, I was left alone because we wanted all of the other midfielders to, to press at the same time. And now we try to do it a little bit more controlled without taking uh, the intensity out of our, our game. And it's actually quite the same with, with, with how we play with the ball. But that's the biggest uh, change. And I think that's probably uh, why we are we're a little bit more in control in the games. Mm. I think that comes across, but it's nice to hear it explained to, to someone with less of a tactical brain like myself. I guess as a player, you know, the next game is always right around the corner. Do you ever get a time to reflect on the big games and the big moments and enjoy them? Or is that something that has to wait until you finish playing? I really try, but I'm, I'm not good at it. Uh, and, and because there's always, I think, the, the day, at a game day, then when you come home and you got a good result, then... You try to relax and you get all the, the things in and, and, and then the day after you're happy and then it starts all over again. But I try to enjoy it, especially when I when I get older and, and, and what I you know, I really enjoy the, the, the moment we're in right now. But I also aware that, that I would I don't think I'll understand it fully before I'm I'm done because I also hope I'm not close to retiring, but still I have the feeling that if if it ends on a down again, uh, then it wouldn't be the same. So I really wanted to stay on top and 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 leave at the best in the best position and leave the club in the best position because then I know I would I would be able to celebrate much more than if if it's just a part of a, a good story and then it goes bad again. So, uh, but but I I know that I really that's what I said to myself with the games in Europe and especially at, at uh, London Stadium, being a big fan of, of English football. I told myself you really have to enjoy this because for all the, the, the tough years, all the work, being able to play there not in a friendly but as a as a as an opponent, and it was just uh, I really enjoyed the games, and and that's what I'm actually most proud of that I was in the matches and I really uh, I was just there and took everything in while still performing. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I also wanted to ask you about, you know, statistics are becoming uh, so much of a bigger part of the game and everyone talks about XG and XA and all this stuff. And I wondered, you know, you, you're normally up there with the with the kind of top tackling statistics in the league. Are statistics important to you? Do you, do you look out for them? And if so, which ones do you look at? It's actually a funny thing because I, besides my career, I have studied and taking a bachelor's degree uh, where my bachelor's thesis was about um, data in football and how we use it as a club uh, with a case study of, of yeah my own club in cooperation with uh, Jesper and, and the former coach and also our our um, data guy uh, where I interviewed all of them. So so I have a, a lot of interest in it and we use it a lot uh, in, in but personal Personally, I, I, I don't look that much about my individual. Uh, it's more now also in, in my role, it's more about the team. And we will look at every time after a match, we evaluate, of course, with a video, but also with some key numbers, XG, but also final third entries, uh, how many opponents we, we bypass. So all of the things that, that the clever guys says that if, you have, if you're better than opponent in these things, then your, your chance of winning is, is much bigger. Mm. So I think, you know, I, I really like it, uh, but it's not like I look at, at, when I was younger, I looked a lot of, uh, on, on most tackles. I had actually two seasons in a row, I had the most tackles in the league. That was kind of my drive, but right now I know it's, if I, I don't have to tackle all the time because it's not always the most clever thing to be in a tackle. Sometimes it's better to be in a good position. So I look more uh, about my, you know, I, I use the, the data, you can say, and video and, and how I position, how I compare it in relation to my teammates and how I can and pass forward from there. Hmm. What was the motivation for doing the um, degree and how was it kind of balancing studying and being a professional footballer at the same time? I think uh, in Denmark, especially in, in, in the this, this smaller Superliga clubs, the focus is, is getting more on, on that, that you have to do something something else also. Also because, of, co- of course, I get a, a quite good salary, but I don't earn that much, so I just can, can sit back and relax for the rest of my life. It's not even close to that in our club. Uh, even not with, with, although we would get some good results now, it's just not going to change anything financially. So that, that's one uh, key thing that, that you have to prepare. And I really want to prepare for my life after I have uh, kids, I have a house, I have uh, things that I have to pay for when I'm done playing. So I, I wanted to go out in a new job and not just starting studying there. So the Player Association, they have some very good uh, schemes about like uh, how we can do it uh, next to, to playing. And it's, it's quite big in, in Denmark. Of course, it's not that big in England because it's different salaries. But mm. here, it's, 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 quite, it's getting more and more common. Uh, and of course, it's, it's, you have to balance things. And I'm, I'm happy that I, glad that I started before I got kids because it's more <laughs> difficult to start now. Yeah. Uh, but but there is, you can get like, instead of, it, it took three years, it took me four and a half. So I didn't, I wasn't full time. And, and so basically I just used, instead of, uh, of using my vacations from football, going somewhere, I, I took my exams. So that's, that's what you, uh, you have to, to take away. So this summer was actually the first time where I had to could just could relax and it was, it was amazing, but, but I'm so happy that I, that I did. And, and a lot of players are doing it. Great. Yeah. I think it's a, 
great way to kind of keep your mind active in those times when you know you're you're recovering from football and you're resting and you've got something else to focus on I think it's fantastic I look forward to seeing what you do with it in the future I I wanted to ask you also about being captain it's a role that you've had at Viborg for five years or so and I wondered what advice would you have for someone whether it's a fellow professional or a guy like me playing five aside with my friends in terms of like how to get the best out of your teammates I think first of all, the most important thing, and that's also what, what everyone told me when I got the armband, but also the difficult thing is to, to stay true to yourself. And, and there's a reason why you're you're selected. That's because there's some way of respect for you uh, from most most of the players, if not all. Um, but but you also learn while you're, you're, you're in it because um, in the beginning, it feel, I think it's normal to feel like you have to, now it's your responsibility you have to do everything on your own like you have to to decide everything you have to but if you reach out and if you just try to relax and feel like if i if i do my best and and try to to, to take decisions what's best for everyone and you you cannot satisfy everyone but what will satisfy the most or what you think is fair then uh, then you're you're already a long way and and then i'm just for me it's just the, the the more responsibility I get, the more like I I don't want to let people down. It's not like <laughs> I'm afraid of, of 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 something, but but that's the way I look at it. So I really have a responsibility of of doing my best every day, and not just for myself, but for everyone, and also for the club. Because at some point I'm not here anymore, and but but this club is is still here. So most of my motivation right now is actually not my from you know of course i want to perform myself and i want to play in the team and i want to be better all the time but what what what's really striving me is is um how i can help pushing pushing the club and the team and and with the experience i got all i get all the time and and when you you feel you can have respect for your team from your teammates then you also get more um, confidence to reach different states of, of, of being a captain um, so I always dreamed of being captain someday and the, 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 my idols what was uh, players like Steven Gerrard and, and those players not, not, not all the tricky ones but, but the ones who really you, you, you the club could uh, yeah you always knew what, you, what you're going to get and so, so I, I tried to, to grow into that, uh, to that uh, role Mm. And it, it feels like as captain, you know, you've, you've got to wear a number of different hats, right? You've got to help the manager's tactics come to life. You've got to motivate your teammates. And I guess also you have to, you talked about it before, but you have to be that sort of link between the fans and the and the, the players. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things. And especially also when, when in the, in the, we changed three coaches in, in the last three years. And I get very close with with the the coaches uh, because they they had all all of them had used me a lot and 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 we had a close relationship and it's different from from being an, a normal player and being captain. Uh, you you know stuff that some of the other players don't do and and you yeah you are the link because if, if if I can go to them and say if 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 I want them to do something else before it gets a problem then 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 I'm the one who has to to to, to say it. So when when there's a change you you feel always a bit sad because then it's a new relationship you have to it's not just a coach who has to decide if you play or not it, it's a relationship mm-hmm. and and that's actually been the, the most difficult part in all these things and and I also know that when these things happen then the the, the players the squad they then they need me more mm. I'm not I'm not like totally visible every day I don't want to be in the middle of of everything 
of course, somewhere sometimes I have to be. But in those situations where uh, if, if things are bad or if we change the coach, then I knew that, okay, now the players probably have to to listen to me a bit more and see me. And that that's what you get from experience, that you you get better that, at knowing, okay, when do I have to step in and where do I, can I just let it, let it roll because everything's fine. Got it. Yeah. And that only comes with experience. So it's kind of learning on the job every day, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, of course, I think about my performances, but but when I'm home, I think 80% of my thoughts, football-wise, is more about the, the stuff around outside the pitch, like the squad, like like yeah, everything else than than what I do on the pitch. Because the 20%, I don't think of more about it. I I do it on the pitch. I train it every day, but all the other stuff that's what in my head when I'm when I'm outside the, the club. Mm. And speaking of pitches, this is a question I've asked a few other people about before, but you, you obviously have to play a, a handful of games every season on artificial surfaces. How do you find it playing on them? And, you know, does it affect your game in any way? I always said that I did, don't like artificial pitches because football is played on grass. And I would still say that. But also sometimes the quality of the pitches in Denmark, of course, right now in Super League, it's getting, it's getting better. But also in, when playing first division, you can really get out and, and play on some some bad pitch, and and sometimes you have to accept that if if the if if the other thing is a, a good artificial pitch, then you have to accept that. But I would always say that I would play on on grass. Uh, but our pitch is like a hybrid, and most of the of the pitches today is hybrid pitches, mm. which, where you cannot feel that it, there's artificial grass in it, but it's just very good grass pitch. So I would prefer that anyway, and we have a very good good um, pitch here but but actually we just went over to train on the artificial grass for the rest of the season here we just got a new one because our grass pitch is okay in training but it, if you compare to what's closest to what we play on in, in the weekends then our artificial the new artificial pitch is much closer to our, our stadium pitch so okay even though I, in the dream world, every every pitch is, is just uh, smells like uh, grass. It's it's unfortunately not like that in in, in Denmark. But if we yeah, have, yeah, so we have to accept it. But I'd rather play at home than playing in Norseland. I would say that. <laughs> okay. But also because some coaches they always put me on the bench when you play on artificial because they thought I think I cannot play. So the more <laughs> artificial match. Uh, pitches the, the the less i will play <laughs> wow okay well let, let, let's 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 hope let's hope for fewer artificial pitches then one thing that i was really fascinated to ask is that you know football's such a big part of your life and you you mentioned that you've got an interest in english football do you ever watch matches for pleasure or is it do you have a need to switch off a little bit outside of match time oh i watch for for pleasure i i i don't have the I, I when sometimes I talk with the coaches when they watch football they they all, always watch uh, with with tactics in mind and with 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 style of play and all that stuff. I can easily relax relax to a match and just see what's going on and I'm I'm quite much into fantasy football. So uh, so when I watch Premier League is always with with an eye for whatever whichever player whatever player I've I've chosen on my team. So uh, it, it's. It changes every week who I'm supporting, depending on the <laughs> stupid choice I'm making. Uh, so that's actually my my getaway. Sometimes it's just to relax and and just yeah watch football without any anything. But of course, when you when I'm watching Superliga, uh, which I do a lot, then it's always 
it's not an eye for the opponent, but it's always an eye for what's best for us. How is the game like? So I can't really just leave it all, but uh, it's I accept that it's part of my life, and it's also what drives me every day. So it's probably I would I would miss something if I if I didn't yeah. have it. I'm top of all of my fantasy leagues at the moment, so I'm going to have to invite you to one of my leagues and see how uh, see how we can compete for this season. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, do, do you ever swap shirts with other players? Uh, and if so, which is the most kind of prized shirt in your collection? Actually, I only have one. <laughs> That's after the West End game because it's oh, not, wow. in, in, in Denmark it's not normal that we swap in, in, in like domestic games because yeah, I don't think that also the actually the economy of the clubs that we got told that even all the fans right now they want shirts, but we are not allowed to give them away or list because then we, we need to use it for the next match and then mm. it's, it's if we do it every game then it's going to be quite uh, costly for the for the club so that's just one one way uh, but but uh, we were allowed and I, I I asked early the club that we need to make sure that we have an extra shirt for, for these games because we want to uh, change and of course that was not an issue but it's actually a funny <laughs> story because uh, over there was my game number 300 uh, ah, yeah. So I kept my shirt, which is framed now, and I have it at home as a memory. Uh, at home, I, I I tried after the match uh, to to change with Ogbonna. I actually wanted his armband, but he couldn't give me that. And then he said we could change inside, uh, and that was fine. I didn't, yeah, I, I don't know why he didn't want to be on pitch, but that's that's all right. So we went in, and the coach said something, and I I, I just thought about it. I had to get in that, that dressing room. I cannot wait. Just stop talking, coach. The game's over. <laughs> so I went in there, and they were already they already left because oh. they had to to fly back. And I don't know. He probably forgot. It's not, probably not that big in his mind. Uh, but then our, our our press guy he came in with with a, a Jerbone shirt, which I didn't got uh, because I was one of the only players that didn't get anyone. So I got his shirt, even though he was on the pitch, and I didn't get it by myself. So, uh, but in the end, I, I have a memory at home. But uh, I was a little bit uh, afraid that I didn't get anything. Oh, that's a that's a shame. Well, <laughs> in the in the off chance that Angelo Ogbonna is listening to this, can you send your shirt <laughs> over, please, Angelo? <laughs> and, and he didn't get mine, but he probably don't want it. So that, that's uh. it. Yeah, I, I was um, uh, I was speaking to uh, Luke Sorensen, who's the uh, the kit man at, at uh, Lingby, and um, he was saying that uh, the players get two shirts a year to use, and if they give a shirt away or swap it, they have to buy another one for five hundred krona. So it can be expensive if you, if you start swapping shirts with people. That's it. And the, 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 the thing is, the fans, of course, they do it in a, in a, in a good way, but they don't really understand why <laughs> we have to say no every every, every game. So. Yeah. <laughs> And just kind of thinking back on your your career, who would you say, whether it's a family member, whether it's a manager, whether it's a player, who's had the biggest influence on your career to date, would you say? That's a good question. Of course, I, I'm from a football family, so I've always been raised with, with football every day almost. Uh, my father and grandfather played football, so in a small club, but but um, but so, of course, I, I got it in from from since I was a kid. Uh, I think football-wise, it has to be... I think the last three coaches I had actually gave me something different, all of them, uh, and really tried to push me. They they showed me so much uh, trust uh, in my position, but also demanded a lot. And I think uh, that's, that mix really 
kind of given me a second life in my career because I'm a, I'm aware that I've probably not always been the biggest talent, and I'm also aware that if the club from for let's say five years ago would say that we were in this position right now, no one would have probably said that I would be a part of the team because the level would have been too high. Uh, but I managed to. Together with 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 the coaches first, Jakob Nestrup, who really it was his first job as a as a as a head coach, and he really took me in, and and he needed me for advice advice, but also said to me, I really need you, but you have to be the best every day, the best player in, in training every day. And uh, Lars came also and put some fire in me as a captain, especially especially as a captain, he he really uh, did something. Can't even explain what it is, but he tricked something in me. So. I didn't ex- expect to be where I am right here for, for some years ago, but with guidance from from some good good coaches and learning also, then I would say, yeah, the modern time, the, the last part of my career has really changed a lot. Fantastic. Final question. We're not too far now from the winter break. What do you have planned? And, and I know that Denmark has one of the longest winter breaks in, in, in football. How do you kind of stay sharp over that period whilst also allowing your batteries to, to recharge? Especially now with the World Cup coming up, then it's even longer break than normal. So we're actually going to keep training for some weeks. Normally we don't do that, but we have to do it this year. I think four weeks after uh, the last match, we, we, we're going to stay uh, together and then we go on, on holiday. I'm not going to go anywhere this, this year because my wife is working uh, over, over Christmas. But um, I just, we, we, of course, we get a program at home, and we're gonna do stuff. And, and I also, I'm not a, I'm not a work, workaholic when I'm uh, off. But I really know my body, and I know that I have to do something because even the national breaks right now, where we are off from Friday to Monday, then I can, if I don't do anything like two days, I can feel it in my body, and I'm afraid of, of mm. injuries. I, fortunately, I haven't had a lot of injuries uh, in my career. But I was always taking care of my body, and I know that that I have to do a lot right now. That's that's how I I can feel I'm getting older. That the break is not good for me, so I, I have to, uh, to 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 do my my job through the winter period. And I'm gonna do some stuff stuff with the kids, and 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 then I'm gonna in between I'm gonna do my my work because other otherwise it would be uh, I would kill myself when we start again in, in January. And, and <laughs> at first I start to get injuries. At, at, uh, at this age, then it's going to be difficult to 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 keep the rhythm. I've got the solution for you. Casper Humlin needs to call you up for the national team so that you're still <laughs> playing during the national team break. Yeah, that's it. Maybe if, we, if they played in another country, then uh, then I would then it could be nice. Let's see. Hey, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pete, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's really been a huge pleasure having you here. And you know, I wish you the best of luck for the remainder of the season. Let's hope uh, Let's hope you can write a, a new, exciting chapter in, uh, in the V-Borg history. Good, nice. Fa- thank you, and it was a pleasure. So that about wraps up episode one of Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast. Thanks once again to Liam Barker and to Jeppe Groning for joining me on the first show. Really appreciate them giving up their time. And I'd also like to give a massive shout out to the first Football in Denmark Patreon member, Alex Evans. Thank you for the support, Alex. It's very much appreciated. And if you want to become a Football in Denmark Patreon and help support the content I'm putting out, head on over to patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark. You can also follow me on Twitter at football in DK. 
you can check out the website at footballindenmark.com. And as ever, if you enjoy the show, please do give us a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a future episode. I know everybody on every podcast says that, but it really does make the world of difference. I'll be back next week with another guest to talk over an action-packed set of matches domestically and in Europe. So until then, thank you very much for listening and catch you very shortly on the Danish Dynamite podcast.